Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 um, to 9, verse 13. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from, the large, from a large herd of pigs was, was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town, and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to man. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Uh, it'll help to have that passage open as we go through it. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of uh, being in actual danger, having your life in danger from some external force. Uh, about 20 years ago, it happened to a friend of mine. He was uh, kayaking and uh, Going down some rapids, his kayak overturned and the, the force of the water uh, pushed him down under the water and his kayak got wedged between two rocks. And he was, he was there uh, for quite some time. Sitting there, 
stuck in his kayak, the, the way that the, the water had come down on him and was pressing down on him with all that force that uh, rapids can bring, uh, was pinning him in place. And there was no way he could uh, get himself out of the kayak. And he struggled and fought, but was stuck in there. Now, he's an adventurous guy. Uh, he's done the oven descent, uh, done all these kind of things, but he could not get himself out. And he was actually underwater for long enough uh, that he had enough time uh, to go calm, to, to stop struggling, and to think to himself, that's it. I'm, I'm actually, I'm gone here. And it's at that moment that uh, uh, one of his group uh, managed to make their way across, uh, somehow grabbed his kayak and, and wrenched it up so the force of the water pushed it up to the surface. And he was okay. Uh, he got out. I wonder if you've ever had an experience like that. Maybe you've been stuck in a rip, getting pulled out. Uh, maybe uh, you've been lost in the, in the bush. Uh, something like that. That's the experience of the disciples uh, in this chapter. Uh, we uh, come upon them and they're in a storm. But actually it's the experience of uh, everyone who Jesus meets uh, in this chapter, in this little section of Matthew's biography of Jesus. And so tonight we're going to look at three, uh, three stories that, that show our need and Jesus' authority to meet it. Our need and Jesus' authority. So first, uh, the storm. The disciples' need is obvious, isn't it? Uh, they're out on the Sea of Galilee, and um, the Sea of Galilee has all the geographic, uh, physical characteristics you need for violent storms. It's got high cliffs that go up the side of the lake, and it creates this temperature differential between the lake and uh, the land, and so these winds rush down across the lake, and it's a relatively shallow lake, and so storms whip up in a second. And the disciples are there, and they're in the middle of this furious storm. It comes upon them. And these guys are hardened fishermen, career fishermen, but they still go to Jesus in a panic because they think that that's it. They've reached that same moment. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Uh, but Jesus isn't panicked, is he? They feel like they're completely at the mercy of the environment. Uh, but they don't know the authority of Jesus. He's there in the boat and he's sleeping. Uh, no big deal. Uh, just asleep while the disciples are reaching this point of panic to the point of death. Uh, it makes you think back to uh, the book of Jonah. In Jonah, uh, he's the last guy in the Bible who was asleep in a boat during a storm. And the other sailors on the boat go to Jonah and they wake him up. And uh, in Jonah chapter 1, the captain says to him, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Call on your God. Maybe he can save us. Only God uh, can save out of a storm like this. And so the disciples go to Jesus and they wake him and they hope that he can do something about it. But he doesn't pray to God. Uh, in fact, he doesn't even deal with the storm at all. He deals with them. Did you notice that? 
Uh, Verse 26, he replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? I don't know. That seems pretty reasonable uh, to be afraid at that point. Um, They're about to die. That's that's what they think. I, I think that is valid. Be afraid at that point. But Jesus is more powerful than they know. Or more to the point, he's more powerful than they believe. They don't trust Jesus the way they should, the way that you should trust someone when they're in control. Because look at verse 26. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. In the ancient world, the sea was a place of chaos. Uh, It was Uh, thought to be the realm of uh, demonic forces. It was a place of death. Uh, In fact, in the book of Revelation, uh, if you uh, read that last uh, letter of the New Testament, it looks forward to the new creation, the new world that God will make, uh, and we're told that there will no longer be any sea. And Aussies read that line and they think, that's terrible, I can't go to the beach. Uh, the, the point is that there will no longer be that place of evil, that uh, place of death and chaos uh, that the sea represents. And yet Jesus comes in and calms the sea with a word. He gives a straight rebuke to the winds and the waves. And so look at the reaction of the disciples. Verse 27. Uh, the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Matthew, I think, calls the disciples the men here. He says the men were amazed because he wants to draw a a contrast between those men and this man, Jesus. What kind of man is he? Only God has that level of authority over the natural world. And yet here is Jesus directing the wind and the waves. And they have never seen authority like this before. They get to the other side of the lake and Jesus' authority is on display again. They're confronted by two demon-possessed men. And again, the the need is obvious, isn't it? Uh, These men live among the tombs, the place of death. And they were so violent that no one could pass that way. Uh, It's an extreme case. Uh, But here, the demons... Uh, know who they're dealing with. Did you see that? The disciples uh, don't really recognize Jesus' authority, but the demons see it immediately. They say, uh, verse 29, What do you want with us, son of, Ma- son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? See, they see that Jesus is the son of God, the, the king of God's kingdom. And they realize that he's against them. And they, this appointed time uh, that they're talking about is, uh, they're, they're thinking about the age of God's eternal kingdom. And they say, what are you doing here now? Have you come to torture us before the appointed time? Launching, uh, Jesus is here, launching God's kingdom early. And it's like they're taken by surprise because they know that Jesus has authority. In fact, they ask permission from him in verse 31. Uh, The demons beg Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. Uh, 
And he says one word, go, and they go. And the, 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 the demons go into these pigs and uh, the violent evil spirits charge these pigs over the cliff and down into the sea. And so the demons go into the sea, uh, the place of death. And the disciples are saved out of the sea, all with a word. Uh, when Liana and I, my wife, uh, when we were first married, uh, we lived in Mount Lawley, and actually we went to church at St Albans in Highgate, and we would walk down from Mount Lawley uh, down to Highgate uh, to church on a Sunday evening, and we'd walk past this house that was kind of on the way that had a dog, and it was one of those enormous, eat-your-face kind of dogs, uh, and it lived on a balcony that was just above the, the footpath. And so you'd walk past quite happily and hear this, Roo! and you just get the shock because it would come from above you. And so it had this kind of crazy, yeah, it freaked, freaked us out every time. Where is that coming from? Uh, so we would walk past, but then it's on a balcony. It's kind of, it, it couldn't come down and get you, so we were fine. Uh, anyway, one time we're, we're walking past and you hear the whoa, whoa, and we, we look up to the balcony to see this dog and it's not, not there on the balcony. And then out of the corner of my eye, I see this dog come out from the driveway and it does this kind of wheeling kind of motion as it comes out and it is ferocious. It's not eager to see us, it has killing on its mind. And I just, I run, I shove Liana out of the way, and I just go. <laughs> but then I realise, you know, when newly married, that's uh, not the best thing to do to your new wife. Uh, and so I turn back uh, to the dog, and the dog is almost on us. And just, I summon this force with all the adrenaline that is now charging through my body, and I just shout at this dog, Get back! <laughs> Get back! And just with this horrible guttural force and the dog stops he, he actually pulls up and I just keep shouting get back, get back as we back away and we get around the corner and then just sprint and bang as fast as you can all the way home uh, I'm getting so much adrenaline just thinking of that moment <laughs> but that's, that's not insane right you can do that to a dog if you are authoritative enough uh, you can cause a dog to back down. But Jesus' authority here is different. He says one word, go, and evil spirits, a realm that we have no control over, just go. He says to the wind and the waves, be still, and they just stop. His authority, his power is something completely other to anything that we have. Authority over the dark spiritual forces that are set against us. Now, I'm not sure if you feel that as a need in life, that you feel like you need protection from spiritual forces. Uh, we live in a very materialistic society and um, the things that we uh, seem to be concerned about are exams and uh, getting a job, that kind of stuff. But there is a spiritual uh, world that's real and has a real effect on people. 
sometimes in extreme cases, uh, but oftentimes just in a spiritual deadness. But Jesus shows that he has authority over that. Finally, we come to the paralyzed man in chapter 9. And as we heard this read, uh, you may have noticed uh, it's a story that's more about just power to heal. Uh, Read with me from verse 2. Some men brought to him, to Jesus, a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Again, uh, the man's need is obvious. But Jesus isn't focused on his disability. Uh, He's focused on his disobedience. You see, this man has the problem that every man has. Every person has the problem of sin. That sin has cut him off from God. And so Jesus steps in and claims a much bigger authority. He says, your sins are forgiven. And there's a crowd looking on, and they're shocked. How dare you say that? See, sin is by definition something that offends God. And it creates a debt between that person and God. And so to forgive sins, to to forgive that debt, uh, is something that only God can do. Uh, No one else can speak on God's account for that. In fact, uh, to claim to do so is the essence of blasphemy, which is what uh, they claim Jesus is doing. And so they mutter among themselves. But Jesus knows that that's what they're thinking. And so he gives them some evidence. He steps in and gives them evidence for his authority. Now, anyone who's ever told a lie uh, knows that it makes a big difference whether something is verifiable or not. Uh, Take the classic primary school situation. Uh, You get home from school and your mum or dad ask you, did you eat your lunch today? And uh, obviously you chucked it in the bin. Um, But that's the easiest lie in the world, right? Because uh, you just say, yep, sure did. Look at my lunchbox. Completely empty. The perfect crime. (laughs) Because, you know, the evidence is gone. It's completely unverifiable uh, whether you ate uh, that soggy egg sandwich. And so Jesus kind of has that situation playing out, doesn't he? Because it's very easy to say your sins are forgiven, because how do you verify that? How do you test that? It's totally unprovable. You can just say it. Yeah, sure, your sins are forgiven. Look, I'll do it. Done. It's a very easy thing to say. But Jesus wants them to know that he's not just saying it. And so he does something different to prove his authority. Verse 5, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? So get up and walk is a crazy thing to say because you have to do it. You have to put your money where your mouth is on that one and it'll be obvious if you're just faking. And that's the point, that if Jesus can do this uh, obvious thing that only God can do, it'll be proof that he has authority to do this hidden thing that only God can do. Verse 6. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. 
And see, Matthew uh, points us uh, to Jesus' authority, that he has uh, the position and the power to do what only God can do, to forgive sins. And when the crowd saw this, verse 8, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to man. Jesus, the one who meets our needs. Three pictures of our need and Jesus' authority. Three forces set against us. The storm, the spirits, our sin. Death, the devil and our disobedience. Three enemies that we're powerless against. And Jesus shows that he has authority over each one. And with a word, he stills the storm and he destroys the demons and he forgives the sinner. And he meets our deepest needs. How do we respond to these accounts of Jesus? Uh, Well, I think tonight it's not necessarily something we need to do, but it's something that we shouldn't do. Don't forget that you're needy. Don't forget that you're needy. Uh, That's how this passage ends, with a very awkward dinner party in verse 10. Uh, Jesus is having dinner at Matthew's house, uh, this tax collector. Uh, Tax collectors uh, were reviled as sinners and uh, here he is eating at a tax collector's house and more tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners uh, come in and eat with him. And the the Pharisees who are there, this uh, religious sect, very strict uh, sect of righteousness, of religious observance, uh, they see it happening and they object because uh, these people are sinners And someone who claims to be a man of God can't be mixing with these these sinners who offend God. But Jesus says, you don't get it. Listen to what he says in verse 12. On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, he's come to call the needy, people who know that they're sick, people who look at those forces set against them and know that they can do nothing on their own and who see in Jesus one with authority to help them, to rescue them. And that's not the Pharisees, because the Pharisees think that they're good. They think that their program of righteousness will set them right with God. And you can tell that they don't think they need Jesus' help uh, because they look down on all the sinners who do. They look down on these sinners and they forget that they're in the same boat. And so they're not willing to go to Jesus to admit that they're needy, to admit that they're sick. Instead, they want to pretend that they're healthy so they can feel better than all these others. So don't forget that you're needy. It's very possible uh, to forget that we're needy. Uh, If you live in Australia, we live in a very safe and comfortable place. Culturally, we don't talk about death very often, so it's very uh, easy to put aside the fact that we live in a chaotic world that is full of risk, 
and that one day we will die. And you may not feel overwhelmed uh, by the evil spiritual forces. Uh, and you might live a pretty respectable life and so not weighed down by guilt too much. So none of these things really press on you. But for the Christian, to forget that we are needy is really to cripple our Christian life. Because it will mean we don't go to Jesus. We don't go to him with our need as the one who has authority to meet our needs. And it will mean we start looking down on people around us, whether it's people at church, uh, people outside of church, because we'll think that we're better than them because we don't need in the same way that they need. But we are. We're needy. We need Jesus as the one with power and authority to help where we are helpless. Uh, That's exactly what happened to my friend who uh, almost died uh, in the kayaking accident. Uh, That night, uh, his group that pulled him out uh, sat him down and they told him about Jesus. He'd grown up in a Christian family but never really understood it. But uh, that day, coming face to face with death, uh, made him think stop and think, am I really in control here? And it was an occasion for him to realise, not just that he's uh, at the mercy of the natural world, but to reflect on himself, on his own sin, on his distance from God, and the need to be put right with God. And that was the day he became a Christian. Gave his life to one who had authority and power to meet his needs. We are desperate, at the mercy of a chaotic world, at the mercy of spiritual forces beyond our control, and at the mercy of our own disobedience. Don't forget that you're needy, but also remember that Jesus came for the needy. He came for the sick, for those who recognise that they are unwell and need a doctor to heal them. Don't forget you're needy. I want to leave you with uh, three practical ways uh, which you can take away, uh, which I think will help you to remember that you are needy. Uh, Firstly, I think uh, watch the news. I think the news about our world, how things are going, is actually a help to us. It ought to be a regular reminder to us that the world is not as it should be and that our Lord Jesus has come and has shown he has authority to put it right. Uh, The news is a good reminder to us that we are needy and that Jesus is able to answer our need. I think pray. Uh, If you pray, uh, that will remind you uh, that there are spiritual forces at work against you because chances are you'll find praying hard. And it will be a reminder to you that to pray and talk to your loving Heavenly Father is difficult because we live in a spiritual world and the spiritual realm is set against us and so we need to go to Jesus. We need to pray for his help, uh, that he would be present with us by his Spirit, that we might talk to our loving Heavenly Father. Pray. 
watch the news, pray, and be real about your sin. I think that's the one uh, we are, where we're most at risk, at forgetting that we're needy. Because if you, be, if you live uh, long enough as a Christian, hopefully you grow in a godly character, and it's possible that as you go on and on, the burden of guilt weighs less and less on you. But it should be the opposite. It should be that more and more we're aware of our need before God, that we don't live the way that we ought to live, to please him. But that should press on us less and less because we know that Jesus has come to help the sick and we ought to lean on him more and more as the one with authority to meet exactly that need. Why don't we pray? Father God, we pray that in many different ways uh, you would remind us of how great our need is before you. We thank you so much for sending Jesus to meet our needs, to defeat those things set against us. And we pray, Father, that you, you would use us, that our fellowship and our encouragement of each other would remind us uh, each day, each week, of your great love for us in the Lord Jesus and our great need before you. Amen.